let's dig in today to some of what the Apostle Thessalonica and spend some time in chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And I've entitled this, uh, Flourishing in Purity. Flourishing in Purity. Because this is the place where Paul goes from thinking about God and his goodness to thinking about how it affects our lives. This is kind of the marcation, the demarcation line, where Paul's been talking about, we would say, orthodoxy, thinking properly about God, who he is, what he's done. That's all we've been talking about for the last three chapters. God, his goodness, and their faithfulness to him. Now, he's going to start some instructions. He's going to start some, we call it orthopraxy, how you put into practice doctrine. It's not orthodoxy, it's orthopraxy. So it's the proper way to behave if you are thinking properly about God. And they really needed this encouragement because the church in Thessalonica was plagued with a culture much like ours that was super um, imposed, super charged with sexuality and sexual um, immorality. One and two, and just talk a little bit about the motivation that he leads with. This is chapter four, verses one and two, and it should be on your outline. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, see how he's turning a corner? We've talked about these things and how you've been following Jesus up to this point. As for other matters, we instructed you on how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are now living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. So he's reminding them. We did do a little bit of teaching. Now, just to remember, they only had three weeks, maybe four Sabbaths total, that Paul the Apostle got to teach them and disciple them. I don't know all that he said, but he says, I gave you some instructions. I want you to remember, brothers and sisters, we instructed you on how to live in order to what? Please God. God. See, that was the point of the whole thing was now live your life in a pleasing way to the Lord. Team with God in such a way that you're not doing your thing. And the the predisposition, the pre-thought was God's way is the best way. God's way will lead to the most joy. God's way will lead to someone like Sarah saying, I am so confident now. Thank you for challenging us about God's place, God's word, and God's willingness to support us through this. See, um, it's interesting. We sent the kids away, but this is written to the whole church. And he's going to talk about abstaining from sexual immorality to boys, girls, men, women, those that were apart for a long time and those that were the church received clear teaching, but his plan here is to give them reminding you that their culture like ours was preoccupied with sexuality. They had on many corners of their city uh, idol and um, temples. We would call them like Aphrodite, you know. The and Paul's writing from Corinth, which is likewise corrupted and um, profane and preoccupied 
with uh, sexuality. They used prostitutes as part of their idol worship. So it wasn't just a, a secular thing. They tied it in with their religion. And so as they became Christians and stepped away from that, there was still all kinds of cultural temptations. And um, this Paul is saying, let's talk about a life that pleases God, that puts God first and trust him in the midst of it. Paul declares them saved. Look at verse 3. For it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should be avoiding sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Now, Paul had already reminded them how solid they were in Christ. Paul didn't want them to think that their salvation was based on their behavior. Because none of our salvation is based on our behavior. Our salvation is based on Jesus' behavior and our trusting, putting our faith in that. And that's very important for us to understand. But what he's saying is, now that you are saved, now that you are in Christ, your goal should be to please your heavenly Father. Your goal should be to please It is God's will that you be sanctified. Well, that's a different phrase than saved. That's a different phrase than brought into just relationship with God. This is taking it to the next level, maturing. In fact, he says that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body. Let's tear that apart in, in some ways. See, there's, uh, there's not a lot of places where you're going to get more resistance from the world than when you bring up sexuality. I mean, if you want to divide a crowd, start talking about sexual things. In fact, in our world today, we don't even use, the, like it does here, sexual immorality. We never use those words together in our culture, or seldom anyway. I mean, what do we use together? Sexual individualism, sexual involvement. We'll use words that are like sexual orientation, sexual freedom, sexual expression. We use all kinds of words with sexual, but seldom, if ever, do we say sexual immorality, as he uses here, or, or um, that word. In um, 50 years ago, we had the sexual revolution, and it changed a lot, and we're still reaping the effects of that in our culture and where we're at. Now, uh, jot down the word you know, got God's will and self-control, but you jot down this word in your outline, abstain from sexual impurity. Avoid sexual immorality or abstain from sexual impurity. The word here for sexual impurity, it's, a, it's one word in the Greek language. It's the word uh, pornea. You can hear the, 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 the uh, origin of words that come into our language, like pornographic. You know, encompasses sexual immorality of all kinds. We, it's not just pornography, which is key to that word, but uh, fornication, sex before marriage, adultery, sex that's outside of a marriage bond or marriage covenant, homosexuality, sex with the same gender. It would also include things like that are illegal, rape 
and incest, pedophilia, bestiality, things that are on the list, even some things that are illegal or questionable in our society and culture still. You know, there may be a day and a time when uh, pedophilia is, uh, is sanctioned in our culture. Let's pray it never happens. But that's the kind of thing that fits under that pornea. And he says, avoid sexual immorality, sexual involvement outside of biblical grounds. What's the Bible say about our sexuality? It's designed by God to be lived out, especially through a husband and a wife, one man and one woman for life. So the other forms, fornication, adultery, design, they are man's adaption. In uh, the world's plan is to give us all kinds of selfishness, self-focus, and self-fulfillment. Jesus was selfless. Jesus was the model for us when it comes to putting God's pleasing first and God's will and self-control. In um, abstaining, the... um, couple of things that we need to remember God's gospel truth don't ever forget what I mentioned earlier that you're not saved by how you behave you're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ but remember that it affects the community it affects you and it affects the people around you we're going to talk about that here in a a moment that there is no victimless crime there is no um, sexual expression that doesn't affect other people and we're encouraged because of now he's getting into gospel living, gospel community, gospel truth, and gospel gospel living. A couple of verses I want to highlight for you. Ephesians chapter 5. Let me just read this for you. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Same word, pornea. Or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather give thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So it shows where your heart is, how you behave. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention that. Let me read uh, Colossians 3. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality. Guess what word? Pornea, same word listed there. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. It's interesting he sticks greed right in there with all these sexual sins. wonder why. Could greed be the financial form of selfishness that takes expression in uh, sexual terms sexually? Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now, but now... Now that you're believers, Colossians, now that you're believers, First Thessalonian brothers and sisters, you must rid yourself of all of these things, along with rage and 
malice and slander and filthy language that can, would come from your lips. Just set it aside. Act differently because you've now been redeemed. You've now been bought. You've now been purchased. One more from 1 Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sexual desires, which wage war against your soul. I mean, that's what God wants to prevent from happening in our, in our lives. He says, uh, sexual desires that are against God will wage war against your soul. That's why there is no victimless crime. There is no uh, untainted um, pool. It affects you, it affects the community, and it affects the outreach potential of God's church. I mean, when, when uh, brothers in Christ are affected by addiction to pornography, I hear from them quite often. And they'll say things like, well, it doesn't affect anybody else. Well, the pornography industry itself affects from um, the trafficking of women, children, all kinds of things that way. But it also affects how brothers in Christ view their sisters in Christ. You know? So the community of believers different. And women who have been in a culture like ours, which highly focuses on sexuality and beauty and sex appeal, they can't help in some ways letting the culture affect them. And that affects the community because their identity has been, as if they're following the culture, wrapped up in how they look in how appealing they are. And what God wants to do for men and for women is he wants a community that is pure from that, that is changed from that, that is away from that. He brings us to our knees in that sense and says, trust me, abstain from that, put aside these things, these desires that wage war against your soul. Finish that verse off. It just says, live in such lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Don't let it wage war on your soul. Now, be there. I want you to shut the word learn in there. Isn't it interesting that that's the terminology he uses? Learn how to control their own body. It's not going to come natural. If you go with what's natural, selfishness will take over. But what we can all do with God's help, with the Holy Spirit's leadership, is learn to control our own body. How? Well, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You know, before the list of the fruit of the Spirit, there's a list of the fruit of the flesh, the fruit of darkness. The acts of the flesh are obvious. This is Galatians 5.19. Sexual immorality, guess what word? Pornia, right there. Sexual immorality, impurity, those often are connected. Debauchery, now that's a new one we haven't seen in the other list. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousies, fits of rage. I mean, these are all the acts of the flesh, the acts of selfishness, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he, as if he didn't get enough on that, he says, and the like, and things like that. <laughs> you know, so you fill in the rest. You know, because everybody's got their own. We've invented new ways to sin, but they all kind of fit the same pattern. Okay? He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live lives like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of what spirit? 
the Holy Spirit, our spirit connected to the Holy Spirit, produces a different kind of fruit. All you have to do is cultivate and let it grow. Let God produce a fruit in you. What's he say? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. What's that last one? Self-control. It can't help but show itself as a spiritual part, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since you live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. God will empower you. God will give you a a self-control that comes from His discipline. Remember Romans chapter 6? What shall we say? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? May it never be. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? Skip down a little bit. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves, offer your bodies to God who has brought them from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin no longer will be your master because you are not under the law, but under the under grace. Last one, learn to control your, your own body. Number C, don't foster lust. Don't foster lust. Remember, Jesus had a lot to say about lust. He described adultery and said, but if a man lusts after a woman, it's as if he committed adultery with her already in his heart. He took it from the outer external and said, no, there's a, there's a deeper set problem. And don't foster lust. Lust is, this, um, lust is not the same as temptation. You know, someone once said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head. Thoughts can pop into your head but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. You know, when you foster the thoughts and you take it captive and and let it live there and dwell on it. And that's the sin, that's the um, seductive nature of pornography. You know, you take a thought, you take an image, and then you foster that. Uh, pastor, brother of ours, that uh, Pastor Bob Russell Pastored the same church for 41 years. Started at 22 and retired at 63 or something like that. Uh, Southeast Christian Church, which is an amazing, amazing, one of the largest churches in the United States. He had a a TV salesman at his house. The TV salesman was trying to upsell him, but, you know, had said, uh, what do you want? You got plan A, plan B, and plan C. And they already knew what they wanted, so so Bob said to the guy, I, I want plan B. It's got all the sports channels I want, and it's just, just right. Well, the guy said, hey, you, you got to know that today there's a special going on, and you can get plan C for free. I don't know what all the details were, but it included all the cinematic and all these stars, all these different ones that Bob wanted to avoid. And so the guy just kept coming at him. He said, you don't understand. These are... These are free. You can have them with, for no cost. And um, finally, the guy said, well, is it your grandkids? You're just worried that your grandkids might. You know, I got to tell you, we've got a password plan. And you can have a password so your kid, grandkids could never get on those soft porn kind of channels. 
<laughs> and Bob said, uh, no, I was worried about it. Now here he is, 42 years, senior pastor of an amazing church, seasoned believer. What was he doing? I just think he was protecting himself. He was protecting himself and his family and his grandchildren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what if we were as serious about our lives lust-wise as he was? I think it's just a great model. Don't foster lust. Lust is one of those things. It's a temptation, but when it's, when it's fostered, it becomes worse than a temptation. It becomes not pleasing to God. Now, I want to just talk about the community ramifications for a minute. Number three, do not defraud one another. Jot that down if you can. Don't defraud one another. Here's what he says. In that manner, in that is the matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all who commit such sins, as we are told and warn you before. Well, mentioned earlier the lack of a victimless crime and when it comes to this sin it does have um, consequences what are the consequences the consequences are individual it wages war against your soul um, i can't tell you the number of times that men have come to me and said can you help me well, what do you need help with i'm addicted to pornography well let's go through a series together let's work on that together but it is waging war against their soul and it's like i don't know how i got addicted well it's a natural thing it's a it's an inclination you know and uh it has consequences even when you don't see them i mentioned the community consequences men and women not sensing their true community with each other but the, the sexuality being always under the surface. And according to these verses, according to this verse, God will punish those who commit those sins. There's an eternal consequence to it. Does adultery have victims? Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, marriages that have been broken up by careless, adulterous affairs, which our society promotes and thinks are cute swingers um the homosexuality you know denies god's creative pornography you've got human trafficking but all you've got the other uh, aspects to it so he's saying here don't defraud one another in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister think of your spiritual life and your sexual life being connected Together. Your health sexually affects your health um, spiritually. You know, some of the um, culture is starting to wake up a little bit. I've seen several articles about the ravages of pornography from non-Christians, from non-believers, who are starting to see how the deterioration is taking place in young men's lives. It is causing our young boys to uh, give up on life itself, and the suicide rate is connected in many respects to the, the suicide rate for men is affected by uh, the pornography addiction. So let's just, uh, let's just talk about why for a minute. This is verses 7 and 8. 
For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects the instruction, this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gave us his... You know, I'd rather have somebody connect to Jesus than just worry about their sexual purity. If you, if you connect to Jesus, the sexual purity will be a, a, an after effect. What's he say here? You are called to the lordship of Christ. He said, God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Same phrase there. Live such godly lives that those who accuse you of doing wrong may see your good works and glorify God as he visits us. See, if it's God's will, we will need to accept his word and his truth and live our lives and what he's called us to the best that we that we can. He called us to lordship. Our culture has an idea that God wants to keep us from fun, keep us from enjoyment, keep us from, it's just the opposite. God calls us under his lordship to experience the best he's got, he's got for us. The most fun, the most optional. I tell people that I'm working with in the pre-marriage sessions, um, God gave us sexuality for numerous reasons. One of them is procreation. We team with God in bringing life into this world. One of them is recreation. I mean, he created sexuality so that it doesn't just affect our procreation. There's a recreational side to it. And most of all, communication. To have intimacy and to, to gain a communication level that they could not have any other way. God designed it for that. It's his plan. It's his best. And when people are promiscuous, when the sexuality is experienced outside, they have no option for those. It may fulfill one or more of those um, plans, but not all three. God planned, wants us to save our sexual expression so that all three of those could be realities in our lives. That's why we are called to fit under the lordship of Jesus. He's the one who, he says, called you. You need to know that today. You weren't called by culture or society. You weren't called by uh, our highly charged sexual culture. You were called by the Lord. He wants you. He has the best in mind for you. The second part, you're under God's leadership. So lordship and leadership follow hand in hand. He knows what is best for you. And lastly, we have the Holy Spirit. Look what it says. It says, but God, <laughs> you, you, you reject God, the very one who gives you the Holy Spirit. He ends this whole passage with a firm connection. God's the one who gives you the Holy Spirit. Depend on and count on the Holy Spirit's input. Don't try to do it on your own. Trust God to accomplish it you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
verses 18 through 20. Flee sexual immorality. Guess what word that is? Six times here now. Pornea. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. You enter your body into the sin. Do you not know that your bodies are temples, plural, of the Holy Spirit? There you is plural. I mean, we could take it individually, singular, but it's really listed as plural. You are the temple. You are temples of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you, whom you have received from God. Oh, don't try to do it ever on your own. Trust God and depend on Him and let His Holy Spirit be the change agent. That's where the fruit comes from. Resist the fruit of the flesh and depend on the fruit of the Spirit. You are not your own. Wow. You were bought with a price. Therefore, notice the therefore. Therefore, glorify, honor God with your bodies. Yeah. The very body God gave you. Now, here's the thing to remember. The body is not evil and sinful. It can enter into sin, but God created your bodies. God created sexuality. God created intimacy. It's His plan. The world, the evil one, society, culture, even our own selfishness have perverted that. Don't let the perversion take over and discourage you from what's God's best. You were bought with a price. You are His possession. Therefore, honor, glorify God with your bodies. Let's, let's close with that. Can you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for just your great love. It is so amazing. Thank you for your plan for life that we could never have designed on our own. But thank you that you have a plan for every one of us and help us to trust you like you've called on us to. Lord, help us to focus on your Lordship, that we submit to you. You have a better plan than any of us have, so we trust you, Lord. Lord, help us to focus on your leadership, that when you instruct, when you encourage, when you um, command, demand, Lord, that we would just eagerly follow your lead follow your leadership. And Lord, help us as your body, as the body of Christ, to depend like never before on the Holy Spirit, that your lead would go beyond just words on a page or ideas to follow, but that internally inside of us, your spirit would team with our spirit and we begin to see the fruit of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, goodness, all of the fruit that you have in store for us. We tell you again, Heavenly Father, that we love you and we ask you to make the changes that need to be made in our lives. Let us be like uh, Bill and Sarah from many years ago that would just say, if that's what God wants, that's what we want. And Father, we dedicate this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.